0: Welcome back to another episode of Data Science Home podcast. I'm your host, Francesco, podcasting from Belgium. I wonder how is everyone doing? And, and yeah, let me know. Feel free to jump on the Discord channel. We have a server. Server name is Data Science Home without spaces. You will also find an invite link, if you want, uh, on the official page, datascienceatome.com. So come and chat with us and uh, let us know how you guys are doing. It's super hot here in Belgium. We definitely need no warm-up today. Actually, I'm about to give you some fresh news about an amazing technology. Well, more than just tech, it's just mathematics in action. Today, I'm speaking about homomorphic encryption and the dangers of being it another buzzword like big data or deep learning and probably blockchain back in the days. I'm not personally against such a technology or methodology. Actually, quite the opposite. I think it's a very, very powerful and clever uh, mathematical tool, I'm, I'm rather against the misleading claims that I've been reading about and they usually make more followers than the technology itself. And this is quite disappointing, I must say. Now, the purpose of this episode is to shed light on homomorphic encryption and elucidating some of its benefits and limitations, of course, and I will try to be as impartial as possible so are you ready to get some fresh news about homomorphic encryption stay with me thank you for listening to data science at home podcast with francesco Gadaletta. you are about to get cutting edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning data science and artificial intelligence it's time for data science at home welcome to the show Homomorphic encryption is an encryption scheme that allows one to compute something like encrypted two plus encrypted three equal encrypted five. Now, this might not shock you at all, but if I told you that operands two and three, and of course also the result five would never be disclosed and I could still perform that operation, I think you should be shocked. Now, the mathematics behind homomorphic encryption refers to the concept of uh, homomorphism in algebra, uh, which is a structure preserving map between two algebraic structures of the same type. Now, this is quite a formal definition, of course, I don't want to bother, it's too hot here, (laughs) we can't do that. But basically what that means is that both encryption and decryption functions can be thought of as homomorphisms between plain text and ciphertext spaces. And so this definition explains why, as I said before, the sum of the two operands 2 and 3 in the plain text space is preserved in the ciphertext space too. And so that's why 2 plus 3 is 5, but also encrypted 2 plus encrypted 3 is encrypted 5. So as you can see, it means that this operation has, and please, mathematicians stay quiet here, has the same shape, so something is preserved between plain text and ciphertext. And that's one of the many properties of homomorphism, and that's exactly the mathematical trick, among others, that homomorphic encryption is using. All computations within an amorphic encryption setting are represented as either boolean or arithmetic circuits, depending on the type of computation that one wants to represent, and of course, the types of gates that are allowed in each one. What are the gates? Well, have you ever heard of uh, AND, NOT, NAND, AND OR? That's it. Now, of course, in the show notes of this episode, I will report some of the most important references that you can read in order for you to expand your knowledge and uh, education about uh, homomorphic encryption and why it works the way it does. The theory behind homomorphic encryption is not new at all, as the theory of deep learning was not new either, right? Uh, Being the first homomorphic encryption scheme proposed in the late 70s, Exactly, it's almost 40 years ago. And since then, many flavors of homomorphic encryption have been proposed, populating the literature with uh, essentially three major schemes that have been widely recognized by the research community. So the first scheme is uh, so-called partially homomorphic encryption, and this supports the evaluation of those circuits of only one type of gate. For example, only additions or only multiplications. Then there is somewhat homomorphic encryption that is capable of evaluating two types of gates. And finally, we have fully homomorphic encryption that is capable of evaluating arbitrary circuits, becoming, of course, the most valuable and powerful approach and method of the tree. From a practical perspective, somewhat homomorphic encryption schemes are limited to evaluating low-degree polynomials over encrypted data. And such a scheme is limited because each ciphertext becomes noisy. And and this noise grows as one keeps performing, for example, additions and multiplications in the ciphertext space. Now, at some point, what happens is that the amount of noise that gets accumulated becomes so high that the resulting ciphertext becomes unreadable and not usable anymore. So the presence of noise is essential to guarantee a certain degree of security and, of course, protecting the secret operands and results as well of those intermediate computations. So as in a classic encryption scheme, the value to be protected is spread in a large noisy space And here, the role of the secret key is to decipher and reconstruct securely the encrypted components that form a particular computation. The space that I'm referring to is usually an extremely large polynomial with a degree of, for example, 10,000 or even more. In such a scenario, each coefficient, you know, if you think about the coefficients of a polynomial of this degree, well, each coefficient is represented by more than 600 bits. And this explains how large a data set would become after encrypting it with homomorphic encryption schemes in order to guarantee, of course, industrial security. If one, of course, wants to trade security for a lower degree polynomial and a smaller ciphertext, he or she can still do so. Of course, uh, it will pay the price of having a less secure uh, encryption system. But for many realistic use cases, the only flavor of homomorphic encryption that is considered is, of course, fully homomorphic encryption. Performing additions and multiplications in an encrypted state are two essential operations to build all other non-primitive operations that are necessary to represent any type of computation. And here, the ultimate goal of such a scheme would be, of course, to be capable of performing arbitrary circuits, arbitrary computation and essentially represent a you know Turing complete framework. Turing complete means that in fact I can write any program I think of any type of computation and that could still be represented by an arbitrary circuit and definitely solved in encrypted state. So that's why you would like your framework to be Turing complete. Now why should you care about fully homomorphic encryption? Well, because under a fully homomorphic encryption scheme, as I said, no operand and no result is ever revealed or disclosed. As you can imagine, highly regulated environments are the first to benefit to of, of such a grateful property. Banks, social media platforms, pharmaceutical companies running their business in, for example, Amazon Web Services, are in fact giving away their secrets. Because, you know, there's no cloud. It's just someone else's computer. As a matter of fact, if you do a computation on a system that is being managed by third parties, well, the system administrator can definitely get access to your data. You didn't know about that, right? But now, don't worry that much, because there are some technologies that uh, have been implemented at the CPU level. For example, AMD's Secure Encrypted Virtualization, or SEV, that can encrypt the entire CPU state, basically all the registers, with keys that are not accessible to the other guests and not even to the host. And so not even the system administrator can, in fact, uh, decipher the uh, CPU state and the set of registers that belong to your virtual machine or to the virtual machine that you are renting from Amazon. Of course, this works for several use cases. But when you think about requirements for, for example, private machine learning, well, those requirements sometimes go beyond protecting just the CPU state and the register set. People have been playing a bit with creativity. And of course, they've started thinking about um, how can we leverage homomorphic encryption and their properties to you know, solve some of the uh, problems in the real world. And there's some practical use cases that would be possible are, for example, secure cloud outsourcing, which means sending both data and computation to, let's say, Amazon EC2 instances and being sure that nobody can access them as i said this is already possible with sev uh, and which is by the way orders of magnitude more efficient the second use case that i have in mind is definitely making an intersection of private sets without disclosing the results for example find the common records in two private datasets that two different owners can read and of course, they cannot read each other's data sets without revealing any of the data sets. So they can still perform this um, intersection operation. And of course, they cannot even read the common records. So the result of the intersection uh, operation. This is, of course, quite unbelievable, but that's exactly the type of things that are possible with homomorphic encryption. <laughs> the third use case is, and this is one of the most delicate ones, Um, training machine learning models on private data without revealing the data and without revealing the model. So this is something that um, some people are spending some time and um, they're also making some claims, which is the reason why I decided to dedicate an episode just for this point. The fourth and last is definitely searching without revealing the query. So think about Googling stuff without Google to know what you are searching, and of course, collecting the uh, metadata and the data about your profile on the internet. So all this looks amazing, and it is. You know, if you think about how elegant an encryption scheme can be, uh, there are, of course, several flavors. I've been reading about some of them, um, you know, with um, uh, quite deep algebra notions involved. It's, it's quite fun to read, if you can understand the math. And there is a lot of elegance in these schemes. Uh, they are really a, a, nice, um, uh, a nice thing to study. But what are the costs of this? Like, what's the performance and the accuracy, for example? If you decide to train a machine learning model in encrypted state, what happens to your accuracy? And also, how long would that take? So security and confidentiality usually come at a very high cost in terms of performance and uh, highly regulated environments that are prone to, let's say, trade performance for maximum security would definitely be interested in adopting technologies like uh, fully homomorphic encryption, but they also have to trade uh, performance quite a lot. And so there are some uh, definitely non-scientific benchmarks that I've been collecting from the internet. And roughly speaking, uh, for a linear regression with uh, a bit more than a dozen variables, so something relatively common in the world of data science, it has a computational cost of 40 to 50 times more. That's the overhead. And in terms of memory usage, between 10 and 20 times. So 40 to 50 times slower, so the computational cost, and between 10 and 20 times the memory requirements for exactly the same model, linear regression, a dozen variables in plain text versus ciphertext. So let me put these numbers in perspective. If you have for example, a linear regression that performs in about an hour of computation, that same model in a fully amorphic encryption setting would take about two days. And uh, if that model required, let's say, two gigabytes of, of RAM, of memory, under fully homomorphic encryption setting, it would need something like 30 gigabytes, more or less. So this is still doable, you know, if your model is relatively simple and, um, you know, the computational complexity behind logistic regression or linear regression is relatively contained. But if you think about neural networks and you project these numbers in a neural network setting, well, then these numbers start to become a bit prohibitive because a neural network that converges on backpropagation in approximately 12 hours of of computation of training, which is not that long. If you think, you know, training some of these uh, AlexNet and all these other neural networks that you can find online. Well, 12 hours would take about 15 days in uh, a fully homomorphic encryption setting. And uh, if that neural network required something like 10 gigabyte of memory, which is not that big, to be honest with you, now it would take something like 150 gigabytes or more. Now, one thing that I have to say, despite the large divergence in terms of computational cost and memory usage, it's, it's quite a lot, of course, there's a big gap there, but in terms of accuracy degradation, um, there's not that much difference, at least for a linear regression model, There is a slight drop in accuracy, uh, which is usually due to uh, float to integer conversions. And so each operation performed on a floating point value decreases its accuracy a little for additions and a bit more for multiplications. On uh, benchmarks that I've seen online, there is a negligible difference in uh, terms of accuracy. So we are good there. This means that if you are ready to pay the price of uh, waiting two days for your linear regression instead of um, a bit more than a coffee, well, let's say an Italian coffee, it's about an hour, uh, well, then probably homomorphic encryption is something that you might be considering if you are a highly regulated environment. Now, as I said, sometimes these overheads are acceptable in some domains, uh, in some others are definitely not. Uh, think about real-time prediction or you know the necessity of running predictions in a time-constrained fashion. Well, in these cases, probably fully homomorphic encryption is not what you want. To conclude, homomorphic encryption is a very interesting field of research I have found many analogies with deep learning. I've seen that deep learning, for example, when it was called neural networks in the 80s and 90s, uh, it had been overlooked in the past years. And I see an analogy here. Uh, homophobic encryption has been overlooked, at least by the big community, like like the the big public there. Uh, Academics have always been around it, of course, but it has been a niche set of tools. Today, there are different market conditions and definitely many innovative findings, especially uh, not only in software, tech, but also especially in hardware that allow us to perform many of the computations that were not possible only 10 years ago. And, uh, and so some of the assumptions of fullyomorphic encryption are possible today just because of this improvement in software and hardware uh, technology. Now, as I said, I'm personally observing many analogies with what happened with uh, backpropagation and neural networks in the 80s and 90s. An analogy I would definitely not like to see is the hype around the technology like uh homomorphic encryption that not only is not ready yet, but it's also quite limited by mathematics. And so watch out when people are saying that they solved the problem of uh, private machine learning with homomorphic encryption. There is a big mathematical barrier there. And probably those are, I'm not saying fake news, but definitely something that has been hyped a little bit. That's it for today. I hope you enjoy the show. As always, come to our Discord channel. Uh, server name Data Science at Home, no spaces. And uh, in the show notes of this episode, as well as on our website, datascienceathome.com, you will also find an invite. You just click and you will jump straight to the Discord channel and uh, chat with us propose new episodes, speak about the previous ones, even some constructive criticism. That's always good to have you there. I'll talk to you next time. Enjoy the summer. You've been listening to Data Science at Home podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.